Today, on the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. We knew that there was a gap in the full-service catering world and the food truck world. And so the food trucks weren't getting a lot of traction within that private event space, but we, we will do anything. A DU alum redefines the pizza party, catering large-scale events and bringing a unique personality to his trucks and venues. Our audience and the people who find us are more the people who just understand that we want to have fun too. Why can't the catering company join the dance floor? What, who made that a rule? I, I truly believe the more fun that you have at work, the harder you're going to work. Today, we're chatting with Ryan McLean, co-owner of Mountain Crust. I'm Kevin Douglas, and this is the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. Welcome to the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. Today, we have Ryan McLean, co-owner of Mountain Crust. Ryan graduated from DU in 2016 with a degree in finance. Ryan started his pizza party business in the summer 2014 between sophomore and junior year at DU. What started at home in Minnesota was brought to Colorado, where it has reached new heights. With multiple pizza trucks and their own event venue, Mountain Crust has made a name for itself, catering and hosting events of all kinds, including weddings, graduations, and holiday parties. Thanks for coming to the studio, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Kev. So you started this business, you said sophomore year of college, but I saw on your website you've been throwing pizza parties since 2006. So I'd love to hear where you got this interest and how you gained these skills, how that eventually evolved into a business venture. Yeah, totally. Uh, I started, I mean, when I was 12 years old, uh, it was really the big... Uh, the beginning of this whole story, my mom decided to renovate our whole kitchen and put a wood-fired pizza oven in it. And why she decided to do that, I have no idea. It was her dream to have that. Uh, and she never would have thought that it would have turned into this Denver pizza empire, but uh, here we are. I started just messing around with it in middle school and high school a ton. Just, I loved fire. I loved cooking. I loved... Uh, hosting people. I loved throwing parties. Uh, so we, we started doing that as kids, you know, all my friends and I, we would just hang out and cook food and all my mom's clients and adults from the neighborhood would come over and we would throw them parties and it was a blast. You know, you're just hanging out with all your friends and one place and serving people and making them happy. And I think, you know, what I always like to relate it to is sports teams. I was always a big sports guy and this, you know, having your team in the kitchen or your team on catering events is the exact same thing. You're just a big team. Everybody's fighting for that same purpose. And so that's how I kind of relate my childhood experience of these pizza parties coming into my now full blown career yeah. uh, of just always having that team spirit around everything. And I think that's what really got me going on it. Did you find, I mean, thinking about the sports team analogy, did you and the the friends and family you were doing this with take on different positions and were you more of the cook versus the, the greeter or um, did you find yourself uh, kind of rotating all over the place with your, with your team? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we all wanted to do a little bit of everything, right? Like, you know, especially when I was doing it back when I was doing it with all my friends, everyone kind of wanted to be the person in charge. So, cause we're all, we all wanted to be that 
that person, but obviously it was my brainchild. It was my house. Um, yeah. So I was kind of the, I had to ultimately be the, the person in charge of it all. But I think, you know, the best thing about the team sport is that everybody can play every position. Uh, we still preach that today. We like, a, we do a lot of cross training within my, <clears throat> within Mountain Crest currently. Uh, because it's it's important, you know. If if a player if a player on the soccer team gets hurt, you want to be you need to be able to have somebody else play that position. If somebody is sick or unable to work, we need to have somebody else play that position. So uh, it, it is totally, you know, it relates a lot to that sports world in that way. And we we have a lot of people who can do a, pretty much everything. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially with how dynamic the. I guess catering or like mobile food truck industry must be. Yeah. Um, you sometimes on the fly, if last yeah. minute something happens, you got to have someone who can fill in. So that makes a lot of sense. Totally. Um, yeah. I want to hear about how, when this became an actual business, we brought it to Colorado and, and, and got your brand started. How did you identify? Well, first of all, who's your market? Who are you appealing to with this venture? And, uh, how do you identify them and how do you set yourself apart to that audience? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I didn't necessarily know who exactly my audience was going to be, but I knew from the beginning that with this food truck concept that we were only going to do private events, right? We weren't going to set up at breweries and potentially sell 10 pizzas or a hundred pizzas and have those question marks on, you know, on our books. We were, I was always from, junior year when I really started getting serious about this idea, I would always, I, I tell this story, I would just sit at Fermentra, which was the pretty crappy brewery by DU that failed pretty quickly. Yeah, I never <laughs> even they, heard of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was a, a short project uh, over there, but they, <clears throat> they had a lot of really weird beers. Uh, they'd always have a food truck outside, and I would sit there and, you know, obviously have a beer and just watch how many people would go up and order food. And that was kind of my first sort of research and development into what the heck is a food truck. And that's where I really began realizing, okay, no, 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 this is not going to work. Like we're not going to be a sustainable business if mm -hmm. we're just setting up shop outside of a brewery and hoping that people are coming to the brewery hungry. Cause people don't go to a brewery looking for food. They go to right. a brewery looking for beer. And if there happens to be food, maybe they'll get it. It's, it's a very much a secondary thought for, for folks. Um, so that became very apparent early on that I was not going to follow that model. I was going to follow the private party model. And that's when I started reaching out to, you know, I pretended to be married in college. I would just reach out to catering companies all the time through their websites. And I would say, Hey, I'm, I'm getting married in a few months. I need to get some quotes on this and I'd get wedding quotes. I'd call, you know, I'd pretend to be a company and get company quotes for, catered events and just start getting pricing uh, on all of those type of things. And that's kind of how we came up with our first pricing structure for Mountain Crust was just me gathering a bunch of that stuff and realizing like, what do people charge for? How much do they charge uh, for these private events? And so our market, obviously now 85% of our business is weddings. That's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Predominantly, I didn't know at the time that you know, I would never have been able to predict that. So, uh, realizing, you know, kind of how that all came into play was we really just started meeting a lot of wedding planners and folks who own wedding venues and 
they said they loved our concept and we started, you know, doing stuff for them at their venues and getting into this wedding scene a little bit. And, uh, it just kind of took off on it. You know, it sort of went that direction on its own. I knew it would be private events. I didn't know exactly which ones, but I was like, yeah, we'll do some weddings. We'll do some house parties. We'll do this. Uh, but they, the really big point for us was we knew that there was a gap in the full service catering world and the food truck world, right? Because all of these wedding venues are pretty high end. They, they require the caterer to do full service, set up all the tables and chairs, pour water glasses, do everything you need to do. And then they also require you to stay and clean everything up at the end of the night. And none of the food trucks want to do that. The food trucks want to show up, make the food, put it out of the window and say, food's here, take it and we're gone. And so the food trucks weren't getting a lot of traction within that private event space. And so I said, okay, well, that's obviously there's a big gap there because we are technically a, a food truck, but we, we will do anything. I don't care what it is. I'll, I'll mop floors. Yeah. I'll take out the bathroom trash. I don't care. Tell me what we need to do. And that ultimately started opening the door for all of these wedding venues who said our couples really want food trucks, but they didn't allow them because the food trucks didn't do everything they needed to do. Um, so that actually opened up a massive window of opportunity for Mountain Crust and, you know, allowed us to grow pretty quickly in that space. I love that you, to get the the prices you called and imitated, and oh, that's yeah. just something I've never heard of, but it's really smart. And I think hopefully <laughs> I'm a someone I, I don't yeah. really, I don't play by a lot of rule books. I kind of make my own rule book, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably do. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I, I didn't know what where to start with it, so... Yeah, it's got you this far. Um, <laughs> speaking of playing by our own rules, I when I was trying to when I was going on your website to look at your role and the other people on your team, I saw uh, everyone has a very unique title instead of uh, you know <laughs> head of cooking or head of customer experience and relations. Yeah. We have you as the the Michael Scott of the pizza world instead of <laughs> CEO. Yeah. Um, someone else is a VIPP, a very important pizza person. I just love all the, it's very unique. It's brimming with personality. Um, I, I'm curious where that came from, the decision to make that part of your established brand and, and who, who you think you've reached with that branding. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Colorado is a very laid back state. I think a lot of people here are they're not looking for that hoity-toity, you know, the caterers are all dressed in black and then they have a napkin on their left arm and right. they, they pour the wine elegantly. And, you know, I'm, we're more of the, like, you know, our audience and the people who find us, our clientele, I'm more of the people who just understand that, you know, we want to have fun too. Uh, and that comes into everything that we do with throughout our whole company, whether it's titles or, cause we don't care about titles. There's no title. I'm not CEO. I'm not the owner. Or any, I'm, I'm just a dude. Mm-hmm. I like pizza and beer and I like hanging out with my friends. And that's how everyone else in our, you know, we have obviously have people who are in charge of sales and in charge of marketing and in mm-hmm. charge of the kitchen stuff, but they don't see it as a title either. They know that it's their job. Uh, but it's, you know, we're just a big team. Right. And we, we know that we all, if we all do our jobs well, then it, we're going to help each other individually. Everything is going to grow organically if everyone's doing that. So I think the personality thing is huge. I mean, when I started this business, you know, we, we would do parties early on where 
you know, you don't have a catering company typically that shows up and is partying as hard as the guests are. Right. Yeah. Like I never heard of that. Yeah. yeah. No, like the catering company comes, they set up the linens, they do their thing. They're very professional and they leave. Right. There were so many parties early on we, that we would just leave the truck at because we'd be like, wow, we've had way, <laughs> we've had too much to drink. We're having a blast. This has been awesome. Uh, you know, we might have our aprons on or whatever, and people know we're with the pizza truck, but it doesn't feel like that. Right. And that's kind of where our personality goes into our business is that we don't, why, why can't the catering company join the dance floor? What, who made that a rule? Like who made the rule that the catering company can't be shaking their booties as hard as everybody else? Like we like to dance. Why can't we dance? So that's kind of how this has all transpired from the days of we just had one truck and, and we don't party as hard as we used to. We can't, we're too busy now. Yeah. Uh, it's just been become a Goliath of a business and, uh, you know, obviously we're fortunate for that, but it does take away from some of that. Like, you know, we get invited to after parties all the time. We get in part, you know, people want to party with us because mm-hmm. we like partying. Um, but it's gotten over the years. It's been less of a priority for that side of the personality. Although it doesn't take away from when we're at the event, we're still having a blast. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I'm not afraid to take a piece of pizza off of a plate and shove it into the bride's mom's mouth and say, <laughs> you know, and, and get her going. If obviously. Is that a if, true example? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I've done it a hundred times. Yeah. But that, you know, that's how we like, that's yeah. how we loosen the atmosphere. Right. It's like, you know, the, the stigmatism is like the, the bride's mom is always the most uptight person at the wedding. Right. And so if we can, if we can get her to loosen up and just relax and enjoy it and not be thinking, oh my God, is the catering company going to handle this? Is the wedding planner thinking about this? Is the DJ going to announce the song? Just, just relax. Enjoy this. All your favorite people are here for your daughter. Please just relax. And so we do our best to, you know, really make them feel, you know, like they're just at home. They're just hanging out with their friends. They don't, it's not this big uptight thing. Um, and obviously there's plenty of examples where that doesn't work at all. And the mom sure, of the bride yeah. is very, very uptight and we just, <laughs> you know, we work around that. You know how to but, read the room. Oh yeah. yeah. You got to read the room. Yeah. Right. You know, we've had, we have some hilarious stories of us getting a little too involved at parties. <laughs> so it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. Cause that, you know, it's that personable, unique experience that got the word of mouth going, I'm sure. Exactly. And now it's gotten you so big that you don't get to do that every time. So <laughs> yeah. I'm it's, sure that's bittersweet in some ways. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely something that we think about. I mean, we do have a really fun time over there, but we're not staying later anymore. You know, if we, mm-hmm. it, we used to have parties where we were contracted till 8 p.m. and suddenly it's 11.30 at night and we're still having a blast with everybody because uh, we didn't have, we weren't necessarily that busy, you know, but now it's like, well, no, we have to do this all over again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So we got to, yeah. we got to save ourselves. We have to. Have fun when we can, but obviously, you know, be a little bit smarter about it for sure. I want to pivot and ask you about just from the business side of things, what challenges you've encountered. And I'm sure with this very, uh, very unique personality, I'm sure you've encountered some situations where maybe people, I'm sure people booked you not knowing what to expect, (laughs) or maybe they, they wanted the, you know, napkin over the arm. Um, but where have you encountered some some 
some bumps in the road with acquiring your trucks, establishing these relationships, um, you know, maybe even getting your venue. Cause I know you somewhat recently got this event venue, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I mean, there is no such thing as a smooth road in right. the uh, small business world. It is, it is super bumpy every day, literally every day. There's something that comes up. So, uh, yeah, I think the, I guess trying to think of a few examples of, of some rough roads, but I mean, you know, going to the customer relation part, you know, we have wedding planners that <clears throat> recommend us all over the place. It's really, it's, it's awesome. Uh, we're, we're really grateful for them. Um, we also have wedding planners who've never really worked with us before. And when we show up and we're, you know, having a beer at the truck or something's happening and they're like, what is going on with the catering company? This yeah. is insane. And you know, either myself or a manager, whoever's on site is, has to, you know, kind of debrief them into like, Hey, you know, we're mountain crest. Like hey, we, this is what we do. This is yeah. what we do. Like we're not, you know, this is who we are. And we've definitely had some of those tough conversations and, um, been a part of <clears throat> what is what we believe to be, you know, the change that we think the industry should have, which is just, you know, working with your heart and not, just showing up for a paycheck and, you know, trying to fake a smile or anything like that. And so <clears throat> I think the biggest, that's been sort of a interesting barrier to break down uh, throughout the industry. And I think, you know, for those who've worked with us closely, they would probably agree that w we kind of push the limits a little bit onto what is acceptable and what is not. And, yeah. um, I am okay with it. I think it's, I think it's awesome. You know, the, who made these rules? Why do we have to listen to these rules? Does, what, what does that mean? And I have been an advocate for, you know, I don't typically get into it with somebody at the event, but we'll always, you know, if we need to have a follow-up on why it's okay or why it's not okay or what, who made that rule, I am okay with sticking to, our guns, you know, now, especially after, you know, this is going to be our seventh year in business. So I'm pretty confident in, uh, our business model. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. working. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily have to, um, I don't know what the word is, but I don't necessarily have to give in to those outward pressures all the time. You know, I can kind of say, well, well this is who we are. You have enough momentum that you don't, you don't feel the need to change just for one or two yeah exactly yeah. i mean it, the, the thing is is that we most people in the industry know who we are at this point and they know that we're coming to have a good time they know that we also do a really good job we care deeply about our work we're not it doesn't mm -hmm. just because we're goofing around and spanking the groom on the butt <laughs> and you know doing all that stuff doesn't mean we're not working hard yeah or you know i, I truly believe the more fun that you have at work the harder you're going to work. Uh, there's not, <clears throat> I don't know if there's any science to back that up, but that's what Feels I think. Feels true. <laughs> that's yeah. what I think. If you're having fun at work, you're probably going to work harder. So that's sort of the, you know, that's sort of the motto of, of working for Mountain Crest is if you can have fun at work, then it, it doesn't really feel like work. It kind of feels more like you're hanging out with a bunch of people that you're enjoying hanging out with. Yeah. Um, but that was a long, long, uh, sidetrack to your actual question with some other boundaries, some other barriers we've hit. Um, this, 
this has been the hardest year of in of my life uh, with the business. It's been super difficult. We purchased a property 14 months ago. It was two different lots. One of the lots was a small event center with a backyard, and the other lot was a big dirt parking lot. And the vision was <clears throat> we are we are essentially in numerous different places right now with our business. Like we have a big kitchen that we rent, a big warehouse that we rent, a garage that we still use the University of Denver for dishes at night, yeah. um, which is, you know, everyone always hears that and they're like, what? Use the University <laughs> of Denver for dishes? And so it, we have a we have a lot of things in a lot of different places. And so the goal of this new project is to bring every one of those pieces under one roof and have one headquarters for everything. And obviously it's been a long time coming. It's a very expensive project. Um, we're about 13 months into it right now, and we're hopefully going to be done by July with it. But essentially that dirt parking lot, half of that lot becomes the catering kitchen and the truck storage. So then we now have in our main headquarters, we have the catering kitchen with all the trucks, they all run out of there. We have a parking lot for the event center. And then we have an event center that's full service. We have our own alcohol license. We have our Old Blue, which is our original food truck, is uh, retired in the backyard over there. So he's had a lot of mechanical problems over the years. And so we said, you know what, we got to pop his tires. And so he's in the backyard. And so we can do these full service events there with food, booze, tables, chairs, venue, everything you need uh, for a pretty affordable price compared to a lot of other spots. And it, I think it, it's going to open us up to a new market uh, of clientele, people who you know, similar, they have similar vibe of, we don't necessarily care about the fancy things because we're not, right. we're by no means a fancy place. Yeah. Um, but you know, they can have their nice wedding without putting down a full down payment on a house, you know, that because the wedding industry these days is, you know, your budgets are probably 30 to $60,000 at the low. And, and then, you know, even higher than 60 for some people. Um, but we're trying to get couples to have that under 20 kind of budget to be able to have a big party with all your family and friends and have everything you need, all you can drink, all you can eat, everything under one roof. And so the the barrier and the troubles have been with permitting and building and working with general contractors and, you know, all of the different things that go into a brand new building because we're building from the ground up, right? So wow. yeah. it's it's a lot different process than buying a building and renovating it. We are building from scratch. So there's a ton more costs involved. There's a ton more research and... A lot of regulation you have to go through. Yeah, yeah. coding, zoning, architecture mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, it's, it's truly a nonstop battle. I mean, every single day I feel like we have something come up over there that we need to adjust the plan to or... You know, we're several months behind right now. So, and that's normal. Every every person in the construction world yeah. will always say, yep, yep, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And I'm not used to that. So it's a new thing for me, uh, a new beast to tackle. And it's been super, super draining for the team. But we're really excited to get it over with. Uh, it's going to be a very cool home for Mountain Crest. Yeah, it'll provide a lot of stability, I'm sure, just to have that one headquarters you can go to. Yeah. Rather than all these all this, you know, hodgepodge of of resources you're using. Right. I'd love to ask about specifically during the pandemic, did that change your business model significantly because 
there weren't events to cater and how did mountain crest navigate that journey yeah for sure um it's a common question these days how did how the heck did you guys survive uh we were super lucky we had a really awesome team going into the pandemic everybody was gung-ho on mountain crest we had a really really amazing group of people working for us and we basically all banded together and said okay look team we're either gonna fold this up and try to start back up eventually and we lost a ton of money like probably at that point at that time like 1.2 million bucks which i was a 25 year old 26 year old and i was like wow this is crazy to lose this much money at this mm -hmm. age um but we you know basically said hey look you guys can we can fold this all up and and start over again maybe someday or we can fight right now and come up with a way to get through this and try to keep all of you paid and keep everybody on board and so what we did was we came up with a plan to attack neighborhoods uh for basically neighborhood pizza parties covid parties where mm -hmm. everyone would we would essentially contact our favorite customers from the past and say you know hey jayla can you notify your whole neighborhood and uh, tell them that we're coming on Wednesday night and we're going to serve pizza for four hours and they can place their orders online, they can place them ahead of time, and we'll feed the whole neighborhood. And then the message is, is, hey, we're trying to save a small business here and also give you guys something fun and different to do in COVID. You know, get you out of your house, what, what, you know, maybe into your front yard. It wasn't anything like that. But we yeah. started throwing these neighborhood parties and and it turned into this big movement of you know, I can remember when we did over by Observatory Park, and I'm not kidding. I think there was probably three to four hundred people on the street. It was like oh, a wow. straight up carnival, and it was in the middle of COVID, like yeah. lockdown COVID. Everybody masked up, huge party, and of course the police came. It was this big thing, and and then everybody like you know, like high schoolers running from the cops. All the parents, everyone disperses into their houses, and there's all these mini parties in all the backyards. Just waiting. The parties for their, kept going. They, they kept just, going. Yeah. They kept going. But we were there waiting for their food. So we're you know we're trying yeah. to catch up on orders and all this stuff. But we're we were fighting for. I, I think we would do four pop ups a week, and they were super. They're a lot harder than our normal business model. You know, we're taking individual orders. We're boxing everything up. We're trying to keep everything hot for people to pick up. We're trying to get their payments, individual payments. You know, all this stuff that we weren't used to. Uh, but that's how we had to fight to do it. We used to sit in my house till 12, 1, 2 in the morning and have pizza box racing, like full-on races to fold pizza boxes because yeah. we needed like thousands and thousands of pizza boxes to keep up with this. And so we would sit in my dining room, the whole team, and we would do like relay races, we would do tournaments, and who could fold the most pizza boxes the fastest and just have competitions, and it was among the most fun yeah. team bonding experiences because we, you know, we would just drink wine, have a blast and see who's the fastest pizza box racer. And we would do it for hours. And then we'd have, you know, a thousand pizza boxes folded and we'd keep them in my garage and wait to go out and serve a big neighborhood. And then we'd do it all over again, fold the pizza boxes, do it again. And we did that for months um, to just basically keep us afloat and get us through that. I think that's, I mean, it's brilliant just because during that time, both 
the general public and your team, everyone just needed something to latch on to, just something to do to like, yeah, something to give them hope. Yeah. Something new and different <laughs> yeah. than just the same old every day. Yeah. I mean, that's why we all loved Tiger King, right? Because it was new. And now we look back, we're like, why was that the one? Yeah. It's because it was new. It was, it was like perfect timing yeah. for Tiger King. Yeah. So like you guys, I, I don't want to say you're the, cause you're still doing well. Unlike <laughs> Tiger, Tiger King. King. We um, are the Tiger King of full service catering. I love it. A new that's a new, new good slogan for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the website. I like that. <laughs> um, if you could go back in time to your college age self when you're first starting this out and uh, before graduation, before you've really gone all in on this, what yeah. advice would you give that version of yourself? Wow, Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, man, my first inclination is I wish I could have started this sooner. I'd be a lot further by now because uh, I wanted to start this before going to college. Um, I think my best advice to give myself is that, and I give this same advice to a lot of my college employees and a lot of my younger employees too, is that just because someone's older or, you know, presumed to be wiser than you or whatever doesn't mean that they're correct. We're all just humans. We're all trying to figure it out every, you know, every day. It doesn't matter what, if, if a professor comes up to a student and says, this is how this is done. That doesn't mean that that's the only way that that's done. That doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. That doesn't mean it's the correct way to do it. Seeing through that and, and being confident in yourself to, realize, I mean, I had so many people tell me that this was a dumb idea. That is never going to work. Really? You know, people in my family, friends were like, what the heck are you doing? Like I, still to this day, people are like, what the heck did you do? You know, all of that. And so just having confidence and knowing that if, if you see a vision, don't let anyone get in your way for it. It's not, there's no person in this world that knows it all. And, you know, I, I tell a lot of my employees that, you know, Hey, is this the best job in the world to work for Mountain Crest? Absolutely not. You know, can you make a lot more money anywhere, somewhere else or do, you know, whatever, of course, mm -hmm. I'm very upfront about that. But the fact is like at Mountain Crest, we're in this mode of growing this business. Every year we grow, we grow, we grow. And we, and there's a lot to learn within something like that. And there's also a lot of fun to be had. So the people who work for me generally have, you know, a little bit more, you know, there's like two things that you want in a job. Like you want to make money, but you want to have fun. Yeah. And the people who work for me usually want to have fun more than they want to make a lot of money. I mean, right. we're just a pizza truck business. Yeah. It's um, like enduring a miserable job for a better paycheck, but then yeah. you're spending all these hours not doing something you love. Right. So it's kind of a, Right. Balances out. Right. right. And, and, and I'm very lucky to have found people who are with me on that mission because, you know, I everyone thinks that entrepreneurs make a butt ton of money. And mm -hmm. the <laughs> truth is you don't want, as a business owner, you don't want to pay yourself a lot of money. It's There's a lot of taxes and a lot of stuff you got to, you know, right. as far as like actual paychecks go for a business owner, it's you try to keep them small. You don't want, you don't need big paychecks. You want to put it, I want to put every single dime I can into the business, right. you know, cause that's how the business grows. Um, so advice I would give myself looking back would be, uh, it, 
I think I followed my own advice a good amount just because I am, uh, yeah. I am pretty stubborn. But to just know that it, it, you are correct, like do, you don't you don't need to um, listen to everybody. You need to choose the feedback and the advice that you're given, and know what sh- what you're going to listen to and what you're not going to listen to. Because uh, there's a lot of 19 and 20 and 21 year olds and 22 year olds who, if any successful person or professor or parent or anyone gets in front of them and says, oh, "I think this," and they're you know they're gonna latch onto that. They're not gonna they're not gonna see around it and realize that no no no, no it doesn't that doesn't mean that person's right. I know yeah. plenty of very dumb 50 year olds, 60 year old, whatever age, that I'm just like I'm right. never I'm never listening to you. I'm I'm sorry. I'm in my 20s still, but I know that that's not right. Um, so I think just ma- ma- making people realize younger folks, especially that, um, times are changing, Every, you know, culture is changing, business is changing. Um, and our generation is the generation that gets to help move those movements forward. Yeah. And, uh, we get to make those choices as humans. So I pitch it, I pitch it pretty hard to, to a lot of my younger employees that they don't have to do that. They don't have to fall into the trap. Yeah. I mean, it's the best time to self-teach these things rather than the intimidation of getting advice from those really successful and feeling right. like you have to follow the, the beaten path already. Right. We have computers living in our pockets with all the information and ways <laughs> yeah. to connect and ways to get um, exactly what you need rather than flipping through a phone book to call yeah. And fake pretending to get married so you can get the raid. <laughs> you can just look it up on Google so much faster. There's all these ways. I I think that's really good advice for any young entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah. You, there's no perfect playbook. Make your own playbook. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're going to make mistakes. I've made a ton. Hundreds and thousands of mistakes. I've made tons. But yeah, that's you always the learn best. from them, right? The, you got to. Yeah. You, you got to make the mistakes. We always wrap up with a couple uh, rapid-fire questions. So just okay. short answers to get a little peek behind the curtain. Okay. Um, how do you define success? Ooh, I've been trying to redefine that for myself lately because I don't – I feel a little lost in that in that word. Um, I think the <laughs> – rapid-fire. Not, <laughs> not happening. Uh, success, I think, is happiness. And happiness is achieved by feeling value in what you do. It, for me, I I feel the happiest when I when I have felt valuable and when I have felt um, like I've made someone else's day or like I've helped somebody significantly solve a problem or whatever it might be. But helping others and and knowing that you know this this business might just be a full service catering business and then we cook a bunch of pizza and that's all we do. But mm-hmm. when we are a part of quite literally what people call it the most important day of their lives every single day, it's not the most important day of our lives, but be able to continually show up and make the people feel that way um, and do a very good job at it. I think that is my happiest state of yeah. mind, which to me, makes me feel successful. Yeah, seeing that positive impact, especially with your business being 
so personable face to face. You see how happy people are when they get what what you're providing. For sure. It's, it's direct. It's yeah. immediate, right? It's not like in three weeks we're like, I hope they liked it. It's like right. yeah. they're gonna come up to us, they're gonna give us all hugs, they're gonna tell us how amazing it was. It's a it's great. And the whole team, not just me or any of my managers there for the night. It's everybody. They they tell my staff over and over again. I think that's a big thing for my staff too. I think they feel super good leaving our events because they're like, wow, we did an amazing job. Yeah, those, I mean, especially hospitality jobs can be so grueling. So, oh, you know, it feels like terrible. you put in all this work and no one sees it or no one recognizes and appreciates it. So right. that's right. awesome. You guys get, get all that for the whole staff. Yeah. Um, and then one more rapid question. What is the best or worst piece of advice you've gotten from someone? Best or worst piece of advice I've gotten from This could somebody. be business-related or just... Personal. Or life. Uh, I like I like the piece of advice. I got a piece of advice recently that was uh, hire for culture and train for skill. Um, we're doing a ton of hiring right now. We're in a massive hiring spree. We've been on it for like a month now and sorting through the like the first year ever where we've had like legitimately way too many people apply to work for us. And it's it's great. I'm, it's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorting through all that's really tough. And so I think for me, I, you know, I don't look at resumes. I don't look at what you've done. I look at who you are and I, I want to meet with you. I want to feel your energy. I want to get to know you. I want to, you know, walk around the park and just keep it casual and see who you are. Cause I know at the end of the day, if you're a good person and you fit our values and, you're going to show up to work as a great teammate to others, then the rest is going to follow. I can teach you how to work the oven. I can teach you how to do all the appetizers. I can teach you how to bartend. I can teach you whatever it is that we need to teach you. If you are in the right headspace and you have the right mind of fitting into the culture, you're going to want to learn it anyway. You're going to want to be a part of the team. So building that team in a culture-oriented way, not necessarily a skill-oriented way, is, you know, bringing it back to sports. Like, Team USA was way worse than you-know-who in the big game in the 1980s. But this had, a, Sorry, I'm so <laughs> unversed. We're talking about basketball? No, we're talking about hockey. Oh, god, We're talking about hockey. You know, do you believe in miracles? Do you know uh, okay, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know what I'm talking about? I know the movie Miracle. There you go, right? Miracle. Okay, yeah. But Team USA had heart. They had all the culture. They had, they had mm-hmm. the culture. They didn't have necessarily the skillful players to take down Russia in that game. And so that, you know, bringing it back to sports, that's how I feel we are. Like, we are definitely the, the culture team. We're not coming in with the most talented chefs in the world. They're great. They're amazing. Yeah. They're so good at cooking. But they're cool. They're fun people. They're we all get along very well together and that helps us bring that energy to parties. So yeah, best advice I have right now, especially for anyone who's an entrepreneur and needs to hire is hire for culture, train for skill. Yeah. That's great advice too, especially such a grassroots organization. Yeah. Um, and I guess that makes you the Kurt Russell of mountain crows. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. I'll take a Kurt the, Russell. The Kurt Russell I'll take of a Kurt Russell. the Tiger King of pizza catering. <laughs> there we go. I got a new title for the website. I'm no longer Michael Scott. I, I'm, the, I'm the Tiger King Kurt Russell of pizza. I like that. Incredible. Uh, well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with Mountain Crest. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. The Entrepreneurship at DU podcast was recorded in Marjorie Reed Hall on the University of Denver campus. You can find us on Instagram at DU Entrepreneur, on Twitter at DU underscore Entrepreneur, and on Facebook at Entrepreneurship at DU. Entrepreneurship at DU is part of the Daniels College of Business, which has its own podcast, by the way. Check out Voices of Experience, available wherever you get your podcasts.